When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After 9-11, there was a lot of cars. When I, when I uh, drove in at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, there was a whole bunch of cars, and that's not normal. That, those were cars of people that drove there and perished. And it, was, uh, it, was, it made me sick to my stomach to look at those cars and those people died. John Mellencamp, our country, that was my late friend, the great Giants, former head coach Jim Fossil, who died last year, talking about returning home on a Tuesday morning after opening the season, Monday Night Football against the Denver Broncos, 9-10-2001, the Giants got blown out. It doesn't matter. Uh, they got back, and, and I told you this story before. The giant plane actually pulled up at Newark Airport right next to United Flight 93. They had no idea. That flight was about to take off and crash in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Basel and I became dear, dear friends over the years. We lost them, but the Giants and the Mets and all those teams were so vital in returning our city Back to a sense of normalcy, especially baseball. The Mets, Mike Piazza, Yankees played in the World Series that year against Arizona. It was a big deal, sports. That's why my next guest makes sense on a day like today. A great writer for many, many years for the New York Daily News. A tremendous author. has two new books coming out. 20 Greatest Moments in New York Sports. That's in February. And Once a Giant about life after football for the 86 Giant team that, of course, beat John Elway and the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl in Pasadena. Here he is, my good friend, Gary Myers. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? You know, it just, I'm sure for you as well as me, it feels like yesterday, 9-11. And, you know, when you mentioned the Broncos, the Giants made out in Denver, I was supposed to cover that game. And Lisa Olson, who worked at the Daily News with me, by the way, Lisa Olson, for folks who don't know, was the writer who saw Zeke Mowat's penis and went to Zerk. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't going to mention that. Well, but, I did. Um... <laughs> That's why I get the big bucks, Gary. <laughs> there, there you go. So um, I, I was supposed to cover that game, the Giants opener in Denver, and Lisa always liked to do the tri- trips west of the Mississippi because she had family in Arizona. So she said, you know, can I do that game? Do you mind not going? And I said, no, it's okay. You know, at that point, anytime I can avoid a long plane flight was good for me. And then um, I was getting ready to go out that Tuesday morning to the Giants to write the postmortems on their loss. And um, Hank Golov from the Daily News called me, and he said, put on the television. You know, it's like around 9 o'clock. 
uh, in the morning. And then it was, you know, obviously it was like, oh, my God. Um, and all the giant riders who were out in Denver, you know, were fortunate in that they were able to rent cars because everybody was renting cars because the airport was closed. And they all drove back from Denver. And I was just really, you know, fortunate, you know, in a horrible situation that, that I was home and I was with my family you know, rather than having a drive for days back mm. across the country from Denver. But, uh, you know, what what a horrible time in our country's history. Terrible. And I become good friends with the whole family. Now, John, his son, works with the Dallas Cowboys, of course. And they put on a right. big golf tournament for Jim last August, which I was at. Kerry Collins was there, Tiki Barber, a host of others. And the Giants did a very good job going down there, Basel, Strahan, Barber, all their major superstars, along with the mm. Mets. I think the two teams, Gary, in the city that really went out of their way to help out were the Mets and the Giants. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, the Jets did a good job. Vinny went down to, to ground zero. and uh, Vinny Testaverde, obviously. Yeah. Right. You know, I'll tell you this story, Sid. So the, the Jets... And you're right. The Mets and the Giants were, were outstanding. Um, so the, the Jets' first game after 9-11 was in New England. And uh, the Patriots, it, it was such a patriotic day. Um, and so after the game, which the Jets, and that happened to be the game where Drew Bledsoe got hurt and a guy named Tom Brady took over. Wow. And, that was the game where Mo Lewis hit Drew Bledsoe? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, so that that was the um, obviously the beginning of the, of the Tom Brady era. But so I'm on the field with Ian O'Connor. Um, I'm sure you you know you know Ian, oh, he's a great. longtime writer in New he's York. Yeah, we're good so we're down there for the, yeah. yeah. So we're down there for the last couple of minutes, uh, and then Brady comes running on the field because Bledsoe stayed in the game, and then. Um, played the next series and so we go down to the field because it was hard to get to the locker room in that old Foxborough stadium and then so two series after Bledsoe was hit by Mo Lewis this guy number 12 runs on the field Tom Brady and I didn't really follow college football that much because I only have so many brain cells and I use them all <laughs> for the NFL and so Brady runs in the field and I go to Ian who is that guy and I mean he played at Michigan you know, for God's sakes, my son wound up going to school there. Right. Um, and so that, you know, he played the last couple of series of the game or the last series of the game, couldn't get them in the end zone. The Jets won, I think it was 10-7 or 10-3, something like that. Sid, after the game, I'm talking to myself, talking to myself, talking by myself. I usually do talk to myself. But <laughs> I was talking by myself to, to Vinny Testaverde by his locker. And this is way after the game. And he says to me, I want to show you something. And there was a poster up about 10 feet from his locker with the pictures of the um, policemen and firemen who were missing or were confirmed dead. Oh, my God. And he, and he points to one of them, and he says, that was my receiver in high school. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. And he um, went to school in Elmont, right? Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. One of those towns out that way. Mm. I think Elmont, I think you're right. Um, and I go, holy cow. I said, when did you find out? That I, I can't remember his name. His name was Ron something. Um, I said, when did you find out that he died? He goes, about 20 minutes before the game when I saw the poster. <clears throat> wow. 
Wow. So, I mean, there's just there's, there's a million yeah, stories. There's a, yeah, there are. There are. It was a, just a brutal day and a, and a brutal couple of weeks. And the NFL, of course, did stop play for a couple of weeks. The Giants came back. They played the Chiefs. Tiki Barber went nuts, right. by the way. And the Jets played yeah. uh, the Patriots. So I, I bumped into Gary last week. This is unbelievable. I haven't seen or talked to Gary in years. And I take my son Gabe, as you guys know, he listen every day, to the Met-Dodger game last Wednesday night. And mm-hmm. who's sitting literally six seats away from me and Gabriel? This man right here, mm-hmm. Gary Myers. I had no idea he was such a big Met fan. No idea. Oh, since day one in 1962. I am the biggest Mets fan. Um, I love the Mets. And Sid, that's one of the reasons I never covered baseball, is because when you cover it on a daily basis, you can't root for the team you're covering. And Wait a second. You don't, so root, that, for, you don't root for the Giants? No, I never okay. rooted for the Giants. Okay. Now, listen, I was a Giants fan growing up. I mean, I'll admit that. But once you do this professionally, you can't root. It just doesn't work. You've got to separate yourself from that. And I never had a problem with that. And that's one of the reasons I covered baseball. I, I mean, I covered football. Right. Is because I was able to stay a baseball fan. So there are three teams I root for. I root for the Mets. I root for Syracuse, which is my alma mater. Right. And I've become just a huge Michigan Wolverines fan because my son Andrew um, uh, graduated there in, in 2017. And so when he got there, yep. you know, I really started following. And I've known Harbaugh back from his days with the Bears, and I always liked him. Yeah, so good guy. Um, yeah. But I, I, I still live and die with the Mets. It's sick, but I do it. And, uh, <laughs> right, I was, well, that's, listen, so do I. And I'm a Michigan fan, too. My baby sister Elizabeth went there. I spent many days. Uh, when she was there, Glenn Rice won the national championship in yeah. basketball. But she had Harbaugh and Elvis go back at quarterback, and I went to many a game. It was very, very exciting. But you know me. I'm Mets, Knicks, Rangers, and Giants. So 1986 was a special mm-hmm. year for me because my Mets won the World Series. We beat Joe Abood's Boston Red Sox. Well, they have Abood's in, in the other studio. He's coming on next. And my Giants okay. went on to beat the uh, the Denver Broncos in that Super Bowl. Phil Simms, Pasadena, Lawrence mm-hmm. Taylor, Joe Morris, an amazing year. And you write all about it, Gary, in your upcoming book about the 86 Giants. Yeah, it's called Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. And I'm um, in the middle of writing it now, and it's coming out next September in time for the 2023 football season. And, and Sid, I've been fortunate enough. This is my sixth book. Um, I've had a New York Times bestseller, my Brady versus Manning book. This that was a great far. book. That was a great book, Gary. Great. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. Sid, I promise you, this by far is going to be my best book. I have such unbelievable material from um, – the different players and, and coaches uh, that I interviewed for this. And, uh, you know, including, you know, your friend Lawrence Taylor. I went yeah. down, I, I met with him after Joe Namath's golf tournament in March. It, um, that morning, I spent two hours at Bill Parcell's house uh, in Tequesta, Florida, and then drove over 15 minutes to this beautiful golf course in Palm Beach Gardens um, and, and sat down with Lawrence. But, you know, I, I visited with, you know, Sims and, and Banks and Leonard Marshall, and I drove up to New England and spent about three hours with Mark Navarro. His, you know, he was so – he's so different than he was when he played. You know, he, he barely would, would talk to the media. And I sat in his living room and talked to him for three hours. And his you know, wife – That's true. 
Yeah, and his wife Susan came out when I was getting ready to leave, and she goes, boy, he must really like you. <laughs> three hours. No, he is like that. He's actually a very nice guy. All we saw He's him do was catch. All we saw him do was catch touchdowns and genuflect. That was it. But uh, that's right. That's <laughs> he was, right. He was great um, with that. But I, as I texted to you yesterday, said there's there's a lot of heartwarming stories in here and a lot of heartbreaking stories, and I think you know Giant fans will just embrace this book because it's about the most favorite team in Giants history, but easily I think the most popular of the four Super Bowl teams because it was the first, Agreed. and because it had Parcells and Belichick and right. um, Sims and LT. And I will give this little tease. Bill Belichick never cooperates on projects like this, but he cooperated with me. Wow. And just some really insightful stuff from Belichick. I'll give you one little anecdote. This is so funny. So uh, Parcells for a long time lived in a um, a townhouse in um, in Jupiter, and, and Belichick was looking for a, a place to, to live down that way, you know, spend some of the wintertime after the football season. So Parcells recommended his townhouse development. And it, it turns out Parcells lives on the fourth floor. Belichick lives on the sixth floor in the building, you know, the same building as Parcells and the line of apartments directly above Parcells, right? So Parcells on the fourth floor, two floors directly up is Belichick. Belichick's back in New England coaching during the football season, and the pipe from his refrigerator bursts, <laughs> and the water is running through his floor, through the ceiling of floor number five, through the floor of floor number five apartment, and into Parcells' apartment. No way. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. And those guys they didn't get along for a little while. I guess they were getting along at that point. They lived in the same, uh, in the same yeah, development. Yeah, it was but, all because yeah. of, you know, how Belichick left the Jets. Right, and right. It took him a few years, but um, yeah. I, I went to in, – in 2006 when Harry Carson got into the Hall of Fame, the Giants held a luncheon for him at Gallagher's, and Parcells was there, and Belichick was there, and Marty Schottenheimer was there. And that was one of the, the breakthrough moments in getting their relationship back on track. They sat there, you know, for a couple hours and, and, and spoke. And uh, I know that. And then a, they played a round of golf, and I think it was Nantucket. Um, I believe it was also that summer. And, and that's where they kind of said, you know, life's too short. We do right. so many great things together. Right. You know, let's move on from that. But they, they're back to having a really good relationship. In fact, when I saw Parcells, that day in March, I said, so what's up with Belichick? Have you seen him recently? He says, um, he's coming uh, He's coming in town the end of this week, and I'm meeting him for breakfast at 6.30 at the bagel shop that he loves around the corner. So, Sid, it, just, it was just so funny, and I know you relate to this. Bill's in his early 80s. Bill's, uh, Parcells in his early 80s. Belichick is around 70 now. And it just reminded me, like, of the stereotype. You know, you and I are Jewish. And it just reminded me, like, the stereotype of the old, the old Jewish of guys course. who to Florida. Delray Beach. They for, yes. They meet for bagels and <laughs> on a Saturday morning. There's a million of those guys in Delray Beach right now having a Leo, lox eggs and onions, a bagel, <laughs> talking about the good old days of winning Super Bowls. There's a million of those guys. <laughs> That's I great. No, I know. Uh, listen, can you, ima- Sid, can you imagine? 
if you're a football fan and you're just walking into this bagel place, yeah, that's got to be great. Dirty on a Saturday morning to pick Amazing. up, a, you know, a dozen bagels, yeah. And Parcells and Belichick are sitting there in the corner, hey. having a cup of coffee. In a bagel. It doesn't get bigger than that. You're right. That is huge. I can't wait for this book, the uh, the '86 Giants. I'm so glad, Gary. We bumped into each other at the Met game yeah. last week, and with 30 seconds to go, only 30 seconds. How in the world do you know my executive producer, Justin Ellick? I, you know, I'm so glad you asked me because regardless of what you just, question you were just asking, I was going to talk about Justin, who I've known since he was eight years old and had really long hair. And he, he and my son, Andrew, by the way, is getting married next June. Mazel tov. Um, thank you. Um, they played on a travel baseball team together for yeah. many years. Oh, wow. And Justin was an excellent center fielder. He sucks now. No, a little no, stop. As a player, if he struck out. Yeah, a little, te- little temperamental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a little yeah. temperamental. You're right about yeah. that. Now he's fat. He sucks. This is my lasting memory. <laughs> Just picture, picture this. So we're in Cooperstown. It's Cooperstown, Cooperstown Dreams Tour. Oh, you're going to tell this story. That's good. That's good. It's, it's um, this, is a, this is actually a funny story. Now, I don't think it's the one where you stormed off the field, Justin. Oh, gotcha. um, so there's a rain delay, and the kids are in the dugout. And Justin is doing a solo number of cold plays. Oh, my God. What do they call it? Vita La Vida? Yeah, Viva La Vida. Vida. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. And I was doing the hip it thrust was... to hip thrust with it, Gary. <laughs> oh, it, it was so oh, funny. funny. Justin, what did the kids nickname you? Hollywood? Uh, your name Hollywood Alex? No. Jeez, uh, what was it? Yeah. Maybe you guys want to continue this on your own show yeah. on Saturday morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't That's remember, Break Gary. your balls. I, but, I, I, uh, that was yeah. like a different life. I, mean, I got to talk to like Rudy Giuliani and Governor Pataki. You know, I mean, it's a great story. Don't get me wrong. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gary, you are, you're great. I uh, Justin. Ju- Justin has been passionate about this business yeah. since he, his first day of college. We've been in constant communication. I've tried to help more than I can. You're so lucky to have me. He's a great kid. It's fine. Calm down. Uh, you're great, though. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good luck with the book. And uh, keep coming back. When the books come out, come back again. I love you, Gary. Great job. Great job. Take care, Sims. Great to talk to you. <laughs> you too. There he is, the great Gary Myers. Envision this, folks. A young, handsome, now he's fat, a young, handsome, Justin Ellick grinding his pelvis to this some Coldplay. Joe Abood is next. Sees it rise when I gave the word now in